focus on verses 1 and 2, where David writes, he says, Surely my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verses 1 and 2 picture a cry to God. Not just a cry to God, but picture a personal love relationship with God. And we started out tonight, there's no substitute to that personal love relationship. And so I want to give you a few ideas about a love relationship with God. Though I do want to put a caution out there as well. Uh, though we like to use human relationships as a picture of our relationship with God, it does not compare. Can I, can I say that again? Your relationship with God does not compare with a relationship with humans. A lot of times, uh, preachers and Christians and teachers and those who get out and, and share the Word of God love to bring like their personal relationship, like a husband and wife, uh, uh, fiancé, together, this love relationship, and they show this the picture of Jesus and, and the believer. And I think there's some deep things we can learn from that, but deep down inside, it is incomparable. It's, you can't bring it together in that the relationship between the Savior and a sinner goes far beyond mere intimate human love. In fact, when you become a Christian, you become devoted to the Savior. Can I get an amen on that? Devoted. So, but there is some things you can learn in our human relationship. Like I said, I want to give you a few of those things quickly right there out there. Now, as you probably know, and I've shared this with you over the last three years, I've been your pastor here. I've been married to Beth for 25 years. Love our marriage. And uh, I, for the last three years, our marriage has always fallen, our wedding anniversary has always fallen right in the middle of vacation Bible school. And so Betsy and I think that's really funny because our 25th anniversary we were dressed up like uh, Temple of the Night and, of course, you always look like a queen to me. Uh, but we thought that was quite funny and humorous. We had a good time with it. And somebody asked me, what did you do for your 25th anniversary? Betsy and I had raising pains. <laughs> well, we waited for BBS to get over. That's what we did. And it, it was a beautiful and a wonderful time. And I love my wife. Uh, and let me tell you something, though. God loves us. And so I want to share with you some comparisons that you can make with your relationship with God and your relationship with your spouse as well. Number one, just, just imagine that Betsy and I have a good relationship, but I decide in my infinite wisdom that Betsy is only allotted a certain amount of time in my day. And as that starts, I get up in the morning, and Betsy comes to me and says, Hey, can you pick up the boys at school today. I'll say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. I just can't do that. I'm entirely too busy. I'm going to be in the office. My fingers are going to be cramping from sermon writing. I just can't do that. She says, okay. Then, about 20 minutes later, she comes in. She says, hey, can you slip out again from your office and go to the grocery store and pick up the things that I forgot this week when we were shopping? And so I can't do it. I'm just going to be that busy. And a smile on her face drops. I'm running late. Can you please put the dishes in the sink in the dishwasher? And I actually get a little frustrated at her. I can't do that. I gotta be on time myself. Of course, she goes out the door. She kisses me. She hugs me. She gets in the car. She drives to her place of employment. And then ten minutes later, I mosey out the door with my briefcase, my lunchbox, with my cup in my hand, a smile on my face, thinking everything's fine. Down the side, we think, well, 
Now, a lot of times we treat God like that. We do. We tell God we're too busy. We tell God we've got too many things to do. We tell God I don't want to do it. Because it's outside. It wasn't that I was too busy to do this. It was because I really didn't want to do that. And we treat God like that. And then later on, when that prayer time comes around, we say, God, are you going to do this for me? What do you think, Paul? Now, we do that with God all the time. Well, let's just say I take it a step further and I actually treat that to like I, I would God if I was a young Christian. You know, young Christians like to do this. God, my prayer time is at 4 o'clock in the morning. So let's just say I've treated Betsy like that. And I said, Betsy, I get to talk to you at 4 p.m. Well, Betsy calls me at work. Uh, she calls me at, at 11 o'clock. She says, hey, i got to tell you something, something wonderful happened. I said, now, Betsy, you know your time's at 4 o'clock and I can go find well, of course, she gets off work, and she comes home, she walks in the door, she says, i got to tell you something. I said, now, honey, your time's at 4 o'clock. I'm busy. She goes, stop. She goes, stop. Then 4 o'clock comes, I come running into her private area, walking in there, I say, let me tell you all about my day. She said, well, I want to tell you something. I was like, wait a minute, let me talk. And I talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk. Then I look at my watch and say, 4.30, come around. Great talk. That's when I walk out. And we expect to have a relationship with Him. A relationship is not a monologue. A relationship is not give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And the moment you quit giving me, I quit coming or I quit being a part of. A relationship is, God, I love you and you have words to me. In fact, it's a dialogue, isn't it? What do you think would happen to my marriage in fact, if I could treat it that way? It wouldn't last very long, would it? Would not last very long. It wouldn't last very long at all. Vincent's just out of time. I don't know who that guy is. I don't know him. He doesn't speak to me. He doesn't talk to me. He doesn't do anything with me. He's constantly out and about. He's constantly busy. He comes home and then he talks my ear off for 32 minutes exactly and says, I'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same back channel, same place. Be there or be square. He said, He is my rock. If 
verse 6. He said he's my stronghold, verse 2, verse 3. My hope, verse 5. My glory, verse 7. My strength, verse 7. My refuge, verse 7. You might have a little bit different version of the Bible that I'm using this evening. I use uh, the quote I used uh, recently gave from my study saying I use American standards for this evening. The thing about that, I don't choose to hear those words like hope and glory. I choose other things like my desire.
God is my salvation. Notice it. That's not even just the end of it. God is my salvation. He's at the end of the verse. Again, my salvation leads to a He is everything to me. And so David, as he writes out there, God is my strength, my salvation. He's my song to the prophet Isaiah. He is my salvation. So, Christian, as you walk with Jesus Christ, realize He's our salvation. He's the one that's going to save us from this sinful world. He's the one that's going to take us out of the terrors of the night. He's the one that's going to give us victory when it seems to be no victory. Jesus is our salvation. Here David says, remember this me, God is my salvation. Take a look at the next slide. David also said he's my rock. I wanted to spend time with you. He's the word. He said one of them, but there's no way we have enough time for that. So let's just take a look at rock here. What does rock mean to you? When I read something like he's my rock, I like to think of this as my unshakable, my unbreakable, my unmovable, my everlasting, always in sight, mountain of a God. God is my rock. My boys have been traveling to Colorado. We've just seen the back some amazing pictures. It's one of the pictures they always see. Every time they take a picture in the background, there's a mountain. And I want you to know, Christian, that whenever you stop and take a snapshot of your life, you should see God in the background of the picture. Somebody should be saying this. If you don't have that, then you don't have that relationship. He's my rock. He's my rock, said David. He's my sure footing in a world of quicksand. Did you say that in my heart tonight? He's the one I can walk on. He's the one that will take me where I need to be. He's a bridge over troubled waters. Simon and Garfunkel did it better. No, the king did it better. <laughs> Need my sure footing in a world of quicksand. Let's look at the next one. Deuteronomy 32 4, we get a picture of God as my rock. Take a look at Moses as he writes it. He says, He is the rock. God is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is He. You know why they call Him the Rock? Not only is that Rock unbreakable, not only is that Rock unmovable, not only is that Rock unshakable. That Rock, listen to me, cannot change. It will always be a Rock, just like our God will always be God. Let me give you a scripture for it. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever, He's a Rock. Philistines, oh, oh, oh. In the 
stronghold of the enemy builds up, I want you to know that the enemy cannot pull down anything that God builds. In fact, my Bible says, if the left the Lord builds the house and they who labor labor in vain. He is my stronghold. And when we talk about God as a stronghold, what we're saying is He's my place of defense. He's my solace where I can run and be safe. Not to be thought of as possible, but to be thought of as a place of defense. A place where I can close up the door and the arrows of the enemy can't hit me. And the truth can't get too close to their forces or their swords because. God is my stronghold. David wrote about that. In fact, he knew about that when he was hiding in the cave from King Saul. He knew about that when he was on the run. He knew about that when he was in danger of his own troops. He knows about that.
Now, don't take this step with hope. Hope is faith. Faith and hope. Well, I can take this step. There's two different parts, right? What is hope to me? I would define it like this. Cherish and desire. Cherish. Mom coming to get me. Dad coming to get me. Of course, nowadays, I'm a lot older. What's my hope? That you made an apple pie. God keep us from going into the 
You don't have any power to not go into temptation. Everywhere we go, we're being tempted. We need you to take us and to lead us so we will not be in temptation. Deliver us, please. Deliver, it's a begging. Deliver us from evil. God, because we don't have any power when evil's right in front of us. All we do is succumb to it. We can't help but lust after it. It's not our heart. It's nothing but evil continually. Lead us not into temptation. Oh, Lord. So how will we look at glory? Oh, wait. Oh, 
Stronghold, Stronghold for defense, Stronghold about running away and having a place where you can be defended from your enemy, threatening power. Mercy drops around us at falling, but oh, for the shower of Father God, we ask you 
walk out with it, Lord God, when you leave your house. Keep us safe as you go about your business. Bring us safely back again to worship you, Lord God. And may we glorify you.